Okay, thank you. It's great to be here, and thank you, Ali. Um, Ali reminded me of praying that the last time she led was the very last service we did in this building before the pandemic. So wonderful to have you back. It's brilliant because she's such a clear communicator. I've just been out on the forecourt, and it's just so clear. So thank you very much for that. So yeah, so we are spending the next six weeks in this letter to Thessalonians. Um, it's great because we've given ourselves plenty of time. Um, we're going to be able to dig in really deep over those. So each week, we've, each two weeks, we're going to be on one chapter uh, of, of Thessalonians, so uh, of, of, this, of this letter. So a bit of context, really, first of all. Um, it's good to, to think a little bit about the geography when it matters. Sometimes it's just interesting. Sometimes it's quite useful and valuable to us when we think about our own context. This letter is being written to a church, a fledgling church, and a new church in this community. What does this community look like? So I've got a map, hopefully. I didn't check my slides. It's reached Jeff. He's looking at me. Sorry. Okay, there's a map going to come up in a moment. Apologies, Jeff. They're on Trello. Ah, I should have come up and told you. There we go. That's the first rule. Okay, well, I'll just give you context. The map may come. Um, Thessalonica is in Greece now, but it, it sits uh, crucially on the trade routes between Europe and Asia. Um, it was a significant port, so it sat uh, on the trade routes down out into the Aegean Sea and into the Mediterranean Sea. So it was a, it was a very uh, a transient place. Many, many nationalities, many, many languages would have been spoken, um, and many people would have been passing through. So you take our context, if you uh, walk down uh, Ports of Broadway, you will hear many, many languages being spoken. We are in a community of many, many nationalities. We are in a community where people pass through. We have students that come and go. We have um, others, uh, you know, um, migrants and things that are coming and, and going and those sort of things, so asylum seekers and all those are coming and going in this city. So there is a, there is a link there. Uh, the other factor about this city is that it was a Roman, part of the Roman Empire, but it was a free city. So it was entitled to have its own rules, it was entitled to have its own laws, and it was also entitled to study, to have its uh, religions. And there would be many, many religions going on in this city, uh, various cults and, and that sort of thing. So it was a, a very open, and we'll see from, we'll look at Acts in a minute, we'll see that the... the um, the Jews were, had, a, had a synagogue and everything like that. So it was free to do those things. And again, in our own context, we know that there are many religions uh, that gather and meet in, in around here. And in our society, you know, there are so many different. So, so we are in a very similar context from that. Now, I just want to delve very briefly in, and I would encourage you over these next few weeks, read 2 Thessalonians, um, you know, a few times. Read it as much as you can, really. But I'm just going to dip into Acts 17 very briefly because this is the context. This is where Paul and Silas first go to the Thessalonica. Uh, I'm not going to read it particularly, but there's something I want to pick out from it. And I will confess I'm using an ESV version at the moment because there's something specific that comes out in this which I, uh, really struck me. Um, but yeah, so they come into to Thessalonica and there was a synagogue um, and they go into the synagogue uh, for three Sabbath days. So three Saturdays, uh, Paul ends up um, in the synagogue uh, preaching the scriptures and trying to convince uh, the Jews there that Jesus was indeed their Messiah, the Messiah they've been waiting for um, and do this, and that actually he was to rise from the dead. 
Um, so he, he tries to do this, and actually we see that some of the Jews believed, but we also note in this text that a, a number of Greeks, a significant number of Greeks, and it also says uh, in here, not a few of the leading women. I love that sort of phrase. It's, you know, actually the, a, a significant number of people started to believe. But the Jews were jealous. The Jews didn't like this, and the Jews pushed, and they went to find him at Jason's house. He wasn't at Jason's house, so they dragged Jason out. But it's just a line, and, and uh, it's not quite the same in um, the NIV, but it says uh, in, line, in uh, verse 6, it's, it, they drag them before the authorities and say, these men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. I just struck me, what an amazing thing. Actually, they have they've turned the world upside down. Oh, the map's come up. So, so yes, yeah, so if you do the next one, you can just... Uh, Click on the next one. Sorry, Jeff is doing everything on his own up there today. So it's quite... Oh, no, it doesn't matter. But anyway, Thessalonica sits on that, on that trade route. Thanks, Jeff. That's fine. And um, so, 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 yeah, we have this statement here that they turn the world upside down. Isn't that just absolutely, you know, amazing thing to be said of these, of these people that have come in it. So it is this community that Paul and Silas have come into. They've been accused of turning the world upside down and they have started a community, started a church there. And that's where it takes us into this letter, this second letter uh, to the Thessalonians um, that is written to them. So as we, we just heard it, it read out, but I'm just going to pick out some of the things. We're just going to go into it. So we have this opening and then verse 3 in 2 Thessalonians, it says... We ought to always thank God for you, brothers and sisters. And rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more, and your love for having one another is increasing. Therefore, amongst God's churches, we boast about your perseverance and faith in all the persecutions and trials you are enduring. So we have this, they're being celebrated, they're being shared across, you know, they're being used as an example because their faith is growing and their love is increasing. So the question for us is, you know, we, we just discussed it. Is our faith growing? Do we feel, particularly over these last few years, has our faith grown? Has our love for one another increased? I, I think for an observation, I would say actually our love for one another has, has been very strong. I think it's been amazing what's happened over these COVID times. And I think huge recognition of the pastoral team. Um, and Alice as well for sort of leading it up and actually getting us into gear. And I still look back at the, the, the leaders' breakfast we had just before the pandemic when, uh, prophetically maybe, we were preparing ourselves to make sure everybody was connected together. And that paid off. That paid off because we have a community have supported one another, and I hope any of you being part of that community will have experienced that. So I think our love has been increasing. I think that is the case. Has our faith been growing? Well, that's both a corporate question and an individual question. Individually, has our faith grown? From a personal perspective, I think my faith has grown because the, the pushback of everything else has given me more time to be with Jesus, more time to, to pray, more time to do that, and, and that has helped us. But for some of us, corporate has been very important in our faith, and it's been harder to say our faith's been growing. But this is what this church is recognized for. This is church actually is growing faith. And so it's a challenge for us because we want to be known for that too. We want to be known for our faith growing. So how can we do that? 
Well, I hope many of you uh, were involved in the, um, uh, got along to the, uh, the Be Still course. Just as a question, how many people here did do the Be Still course that we ran? Brilliant. That's a great number. And that's, and that's a great way to help build our faith. It gives us those little just hooks to say, actually, if I do this regularly, it will help my faith grow. And actually, someone in our home group this week said, I must remind myself of what those things were. And it is. It's good to remind ourselves. Think, actually, that's a good practice. I can do that. That's something to think about, something to do. It helps our faith grow. Other ways to help our faith grow are obviously to, to learn more, to, to, to dig in more and, and to study more. Um, and this coming, I've lost track of the week, it's, yes, it's coming Thursday. Um, uh, Lucy Pepiat, who is the, is the principal of Westminster Theological College, we've hosted a hub here. She's coming to Southampton um, on Thursday night, it's in the leaflets, and she'll be talking about um, what it means to be made in the image of God. And that's going to happen down at Central Hall. If many of you came here, you came, you would have met Freddie here last time. We had a really, really good day here, evening here. She's going to be down at Central Hall. So do come along to that. Place for our faith to grow, face to us to be thinking deeper about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So, so there are a couple of things for us to, to, to think about in our growing our faith. And if, if you meet as a home group, that would be the question this week. How can we grow our faith? How can we have it said of us that our faith is growing, that our love for one another is increasing? So, so we then go from there, and the letter suddenly jumps into this, this other phase, uh, and this evidence of God's judgment or whatever. We, we have this section which is, is it's a warning in very many ways, but actually it's, it's written very much as an encouragement. These people in Thessalonica are persecuted. They're being chased out, as we see Paul chased out. Of course, the people he left behind, they're under that same pressure. Uh, and, 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 and so this, this letter goes on into this, into this sphere of a, of a warning. And, it, and it's complex, and it might not be very easy reading. And there's, there's many debates around where it even comes from, uh, let alone what it really means. But what I would say this morning is that the exact detail of it shouldn't really matter to us. Because if we treat it as a warning, the warning is very clear. It says um, in verse, let me find it, um, 8, it says, those who do not know God are those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this warning is specifically pointed at some people. And what we could say is we could say, well, we could get really into you. What do you think is going to happen? Do we think this is going to happen? Do we think, oh, this is going to be, is it going to be divine punishment? Is it going to be actually a consequential effect of their lives? We could, we could speculate about that. But what I say is actually as a warning, that shouldn't be our focus. Because we are offered an opportunity to avoid people finding that out. And that's when we get to the end. He goes on, it says, it says, to be marveled about those who have believed, this includes you, because you believed our testimony to you. So there's this, there's this bad stuff going to happen. It's unfortunate, and we know that. Whatever we think, whether it's eternal punishment or uh, you know, instantaneous death, we know that it's not the best place to be. 
So our choice is, rather than get absorbed into that, is to think, how can we stop people going there? And Paul gives us this, this insight into that. So I was, I was thinking about it in a bit of a, you know, analogy. I was thinking of an electric fence. You know, has anyone touched an electric fence around the field of cows? Yeah, excellent. Yeah, you do it when you're young, don't you? I, I just remember Venture Scouts. We used to do, you think it's live? Think, oh, yes, yes, that one's on. And there's a really good trick you can do. I don't recommend it. Is you hold on to somebody else, and then you touch the electric fence. Um, but don't try that at home. But, you know, we know what the electric fence is for. It's, it's to say, don't go in here. There's a reason for this. And so our, our need is to say, actually, don't touch it. You know, that's why we put signs on it, because we don't want people to experiment with it. Similarly, we've got the, the baptistry open this morning. I might step back into it, and while I had it open earlier, I could have sat there and think, oh, I wonder if they'll fall through it. I wonder what will happen to them. Do you think they'll get really wet? Do you think it might bang their head? Or No, actually... My focus is, don't fall in the baptistry. You know, don't do it. Don't fall in the baptistry. And, and, and that's the same in here. It's saying, actually, we should be saying to people, don't go there. Don't find out. Our success of our ministry is that nobody ever knows what happens to those who don't believe. Because that's what the gospel calls us to do, is to ensure that nobody finds out what happens. So, so, so what, is the, the, what, what, what happens in this for these people to avoid this? Because before Paul and Silas went to Thessalonica, everybody fell into the category that Paul is warning about. But Paul and Silas go to Thessalonica and they share something. And it says, it says this includes you because you believed our testimony to you. Now, when we, we think about people who come to believe, we often think, right, okay, well, they're, they're going to hear the gospel, and this is, this is what this is saying. It's saying that Paul and so, you know, they shared the gospel, and people said, oh, I believe the gospel, uh, and, and they become believers. But there's very, very, very interesting in the text. There's two things that are interesting. One, it's a very brief visit for Thessalonica. There's debates as to whether they were there again. But actually, it's quite striking that it is the Greeks and the women that come, rather than those in the synagogue, they were only in the synagogue three Saturdays. Uh, it says they were there for three Sabbaths. They were staying with people for the whole time. What did they share? What did they do? Well, I was looking at this, and I was thinking, well, what's, what's this word testimony? So if you'd like to bring the slide up, Jeff, the next one, put it up full, because otherwise anybody, people won't be able to see it. No, no, you've got them. I do apologize. So anyway, so this, this word testimony used in here um, is a Greek word, and it's martyrion. Now, it's interesting because Paul doesn't use it very many times. He uses it about five times in the epistles. And it literally means a testimony. It literally means witness. It means, I have seen. I have experienced. This is what has happened to me. And it very clearly means that. And, and, you know, we can read it and say, oh, well, this was all about sharing the gospel. Well, yeah, sure, they shared the the gospel. Absolutely, these people heard the gospel. But the word chosen here, and I just want to carry on through that, because if Paul had wanted to say they heard the gospel preached to them or they heard the good news shared, he would have used another word. So if we go up to the next 
I should have got the clicker. Uh, you, let me got it written down here. Uganglion. Uganglion is good news. Now, good news, Paul uses it. I've been through Romans. He uses it nine times. 1 Corinthians, eight times. 2 Corinthians, eight times. Galatians, seven times. Ephesians, four times. Philippians, nine. Corinthians, two. Sixty-one times. It wasn't just a word choice. Oh, I just use this word instead of that word. If Paul wanted to say they heard the gospel preached to them, he would have said 61 times. He could have used that word. Carry on through. We've got um, Uganglion, three times in Romans, six times in 1 Corinthians, 21 times. Keep going, Jeff. Carry on. There's a whole host of other words. Uh, Caruso, uh, to, to preach, to herald, uh, kerygma, a proclamation and then evangelist it. And then finally we go through mysterion, one of Paul's favorite words. He loves to, the mystery of the gospel. They heard the mystery of the gospel, but no, he doesn't use that. He uses it 21 times elsewhere in his letters. So there's something very striking about this, that this word witness was chosen. And the thing that strikes me about the witness is that we all have a testimony. We might not all preach, we might not all know quite how to express the gospel, but we all, if we know the Lord Jesus, have an experience of him in our lives. We can all share testimony. There is nothing to stop us doing that. And that's crucial. And you you can imagine this situation. Paul's testimony of becoming a believer was an amazing account. I'm sure he showed it many times with the people he's staying to. And they went, wow, this is amazing. But it's not just becoming a believer. It's actually when we share those stories of what God's done in our lives, people go, oh, that's amazing. That hasn't, I haven't experienced that. I haven't seen that. They come to meet a living God. They meet a God who is active in our lives. They don't just meet a, a, a historical God that, has done this for us, which he has. But actually, I've been firmly in people who have yet to come to believe, testimony is hugely, hugely powerful. And in fact, I was talking to, to a really good friend last night on the phone, and I was telling him a bit about this and about next week, and he said, oh, I became a believer in a testimony meeting. And it's just like, oh, I was obviously meant to ring you this evening. Uh, you know, that was his experience. And he has been a trusted believer for many, many years. He's in his 80s. But, you know, so actually, that was his experience because we hear this testimony and we see a God that is active, a God that is doing something. And I believe it is not a mistake that Paul has chosen to write these words. This includes you because you believed our testimony to you. So this testimony is really important. We all have them, whether it be what God's done yesterday, whether it be what God done last week, last year, or whether it be the remarkable things that God's done across our lives or when we came to know him. We all have a testimony. And actually, that builds faith. We know that because these Thessalonians have got this growing faith that was birthed through testimony But even sharing our testimony, even when you talk to somebody and you tell them what God's done in your life, it reminds you what God's done in your life. It builds your faith. 
And sometimes when I have conversations with people, I just get carried away and I think, oh, I get embarrassed. But actually I come out like thinking, wow, is that the God I worship? It is. Did he really do that? He did. Wow, isn't that amazing? Whereas we can very easily lose sight of that. So I think there's huge value in our faith in sharing our own testimony. But there's huge and massive value in a society that is all over the place for hearing what God is doing because we've seen him, we know him, we see him do these things. So, so as I said, we're doing two weeks on this first uh, chapter. Next week is our encounter service. We, you know, our, our gathering and encounter, we're trying to specifically focus that on really meeting with God, spending more time in worship and having testimony. And I'm just so pleased that we've really engaged with that. People sharing. People have said, actually, I'd like to share testimony of that. And, and next week, I'm delighted to say Les has asked if he can share his testimony. We're going to spend an extended time chatting with Les and just finding out what God has done in his life. And it's an amazing story. So I'd encourage you to be here. If you can, bring people along. Just invite somebody. Say, actually, do you want to come along and hear? We're going to sing. We're going to, we're going to, going to hear and share that testimony. Just as we see happened in Thessalonica. So, 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 so next week, that, that will be what we are really focusing on. And we'll just pick up on some of the themes that we see in this, in the story of God at work in people's lives today. So I think that's what we're going to do. So I'm going to leave us on that. But, you know, in the, but he's been thinking about our faith, been thinking about our testimony. As Paul says, have we got an answer for the faith that is within us have we got an answer for that we've all got a story the challenge for us is to be willing to share it at the moment when it has the power to do so so I'm done handing over to the band thank you